Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. This is your podcast for March 17th, 2019, and we are broadcasting not live from Holy Family, of Fisher, uh, Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Uh, and uh, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And I'm Kathy, yet again. And we are uh, we are here to entertain you. Um, so uh, without any, because we have, we've got some great readings here, so we're just going to move right along. Um, I'm doing a Lenten, uh, I have, I've contracted a Lenten series of sponsors for Lent. Uh, so um, uh, this po- this week's podcast is brought to you by Lenten Lentils. I decided to do this this one since you would be here, Kathy. Uh, Love As you celebrate this Lenten season, let us help you along your journey with a meal made from our very own stock of Lenten lentils. Imagine a wonderful curry made with our very own you are dust and to dust you shall return red lentils. Or how about a soup using our have patience with all things green lentils. And don't forget, you could always use our nothing great is ever achieved without much enduring poi lentils in a beautiful kitschy dish. Yum. Our Lenten lentils remind you of your walk with God while not compromising on flavor. A das of lentils in any dish makes it, can make it delicious. Oh. Your yeah. food will become mesmerizingly good. <laughs> and we'll leave your family saying, Haramame, that's good food. <laughs> Pick up your bag of Lenten lentils for a simple, godly Lenten meal today. Yum. Yum. Yeah, yeah that's... That is a fantastic sponsor. <laughs> I can't wait to try these recipes. <laughs> Don't forget the celery. I have to admit, I have to admit, I had a lot of fun researching that one. Um, uh, one of the things, one one quick fact about lentils, which I did not know until I re- did the research, the greatest uh, or the the country that produces the greatest amount of lentils, yes, Canada. I did not know that. Canada. Why that is a fact, I have no idea. But uh, I was yeah. waiting for you to say Israel. No, no. Since you know that's a- it's insane. But that was well according to Wikipedia. So we know how accurate that information is. A hundred and ten percent accurate. A hundred and ten. So, um, so, uh, but yeah. So Lenten lentils. Don't forget to pick up a sack uh, of of those today, uh, in those three beautiful colors. Um, and, uh, and yeah, with that, we can move on. Moving right along. And uh, this week, I think we are going to work uh, backwards, I, I, I dare say. I, I, I edict it to be so. Um, but uh, we're going to start with the Luke reading and uh, move from there. So Luke, uh, this week, uh, it, its reading is from Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me, Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, 
scorching criticism here for Jerusalem. I mean, uh, um, that's some pretty harsh. Those are those are uh, in, in, zingers. In fact, actually, I, I dare say I would use the word. I mean, uh, um, <laughs> I, I must be on my way because it's impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of this place. <laughs> <laughs> Only in Jerusalem. So, uh, uh, well, walk us through this sick burn. Uh, that uh... <laughs> I'm gonna let you go first. Sick burn. Okay. Well, <laughs> I have to make this entertaining for at least me and maybe for you. So right, go. right. So part of the interesting dimension of this passage is that the church that Luke was writing to was uh -huh. processing this information, trying to figure out what should be in this gospel, what you know, sort of what should Luke write down to overly simplify it. Uh -huh. And one of the things they've experienced is the destruction of Jerusalem. Okay. And so one of the questions hanging over people of faith within uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Christianity was not yet a separate thing yet, so really I can just say Judaism, was why was Jerusalem destroyed? And this doesn't answer that, but it reflects the angst that people were feeling over the loss of Jerusalem. The Romans destroyed it. They uh, burned it to the ground, uh, right. pushed over the temple, creating what we now call the Temple Mount. It was a, a massacre of civilians that, hmm. was con that continued on for some years afterwards. So people of faith were, were struggling with what was this? What happened here? And so this is part of that angst of, okay. the, of the community of faith. Of We heard about this happening because probably Luke was not writing for people right in the territory of Israel. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously this would have been talked about far and wide throughout the um, eastern Mediterranean, if not all of the Roman Empire around the Mediterranean. Hmm. So, Kathy, any any? I <clears throat> that was probably more than I knew tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, do we want to talk about how um, Christ um, um, makes himself into a chicken in the well, storyline? Well, we do want to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. In just in just like then, then thirty let's. seconds, because I want to say something else first. Oh, please. And that is that. Um, and I, I cannot take credit for this. I, I was reading this afternoon while I had a baby sleeping on my lap. Um, but um, Martin Luther King okay. Jr. Mm -hmm. actually said this, and, and this is, I find this to be perfect for the whole spread of the text today. Sure. And so this is what he said. Our capacity to deal creatively with shattered dreams is ultimately determined by our faith in God. And, wow. Wow. Um, that might be part of that, that fits trying perfectly. to search yeah. out what on earth is going on here. Um, and um, I might refer back to that as we go along. But um, I, I think that what Jesus was experiencing and what he was preparing people for was that very thing of shattered dreams and how do we mm. get through those. Yeah. Um, but about chickens. Um, well, I, before we do that, then let's, okay. can you say that again? Say say that phrase again. I want to hear that uh, that phrase again because okay. that's a that's a great line. Our capacity to deal creatively with shattered dreams is ultimately determined by our faith in God. 
Hmm. It's, it, it, that's a, what's interesting about I think about that phrase is is it, it talks about the capacity to deal, not necessarily that you're therefore you know empowered and you're going to deal with shattered dreams yeah. better, right. but that it opens you up to be able to accomplish something, yeah. uh, right. get you steered in the right direction, but doesn't get you to the end of destination. Right. Yeah. And and there's a certain presumption that you'll have dreams that are shattered. Yeah. Yeah. That part of the, the Christian walk often is struggling with sure. the, well, I'm I'm doing everything right, and I'm believing in God, and mm-hmm. da, 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 and still my dreams are not being fulfilled. Right. And God never promises they will be. And in many ways, I think this quote helps to deepen our reflection on that. Yeah, that's a great quote. Yeah. And um, I think it Way really... to go, MLKJ. <laughs> MLKJR, yeah. Um, We'll we'll really see it when we look at the Abraham Uh story, so I hope we get time for that. Oh, sure, um, sure. Anyway, the chickens. Yes, Jesus Um, as a chicken. Let's let's discuss this. Not as just a chicken, but as a hen. Yeah, okay, so Jesus is a gender bending uh, chicken. Gender bending chicken, (laughs) yeah. I guess. Um, it doesn't. It's not a great phrase. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> Don't worry if you can't keep up a, with Ben. Here's a, here's a truth about me. I love anything about farm animals. Okay. Um, because I have a long history with farm animals, mm-hmm. including um, growing up and getting up in the morning to find chickens perching on the back of a horse sleeping or chickens roosting in the orange trees. Um, so... Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of chicken memories, but (laughs) so I love it because this is about chickens, maybe, though I realize they probably weren't the chickens we understand now. They were ancienter chickens. Yes. Um, Yes. Mesopotamian chickens are very different. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But but the really big thing I love about this is the what a powerful and cozy and feminine image this is. To Uh think about, um, I don't remember if this is the word that you just read in the text, but a mother hen brooding over her flock. Yeah, gathering her brood under her wings. And and my wings are spread. Um, It's this this very visual image of the mother hen just spreading her wings as wide and and she fluffs up the rest of her feathers so she looks big. And she's doing this thing which... Probably is useless, actually, because I mean, even under a mother's wings, a baby chick is still a very vulnerable thing. Sure, sure. Um, and, and I think it's also interesting, and this is to Luke's credit, you know, that um, in this text, Jesus calls Herod a fox. And yes. who do we think of going into the hen house? Exactly. Herod? Yeah, there, I, I, I picked on the, up on that fox, as well. This fox Herod coming for these baby chicks. Mm-hmm. and. Jesus wants to spread himself across like a mother, mm-hmm. fluff up, and hide these little chickens. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly where that behavior comes from in, in hens. And other birds do the same thing, very yeah, birds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a very hopeful thing, I think, you know. that, And as a parent, everybody sitting in this room, at least right now, is a parent. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that is what you want to do with your children. And, yeah. and sometimes all the protectiveness you can muster isn't really going to get you where you want to go. But but there's that that hope piece. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, brooding. You, you don't look like you're doing anything when you're brooding. You're just kind of hanging there and snuggled up. And, uh -huh. and, you know, we think of brooding as thinking about things. You know, kind of yeah, mulling it over, not being very happy. There, that's kind of that metaphorical brooding thing. But, uh -huh. um, you know, I don't know. I've always imagined when I see a, a hen doing that, that, I don't know, are they, are they trying to look like a rock? So that the fox will will think, oh, that's just a rock. I'll go somewhere else. But right. you know, a rock and a chicken don't smell the same. And right. so the fox is probably going to figure that out. Yeah, it's definitely different than other other defensive postures that you see in nature. Uh, a lot yeah, of times, it, it will be uh, uh, the the adult animal will stand aground or something, yeah. and and and, right. and maybe even have an ability to make themselves look larger and more yeah. intimidating. Yes, but and, and the not does while. That. But hiding, like trying, it's almost like yeah, it's a, it's a very odd thing yeah. because if the fox comes after the hen, guess what he's going to find under her wings? Right, um, a whole lot of hors d'oeuvres. And I think, a, yeah, um, I was going to say, yeah, the fox would still love to have a hen. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think that that image of of Herod as the fox, who is, as we know, will come after Jesus in a rather mm -hmm. clumsy trial and. And conviction and execution that comes yeah. along a little bit later, um, and and it will Jesus will end up dead no matter how much he wants to look like a rock or a chicken, mm -hmm. um, he will end up dead, and um, and I, I think what makes it doubly sad is that you know we know now looking back this two thousand years or so that. Things could have been better for those baby chicks in Jerusalem mm -hmm. if only they had let Jesus gather them under his wings like he yeah. was wishing to do. And it's just a really powerful image for me. So I'm struck by I'm struck by a little bit of the wording in this, uh, especially in uh, relation to the context of the alternate reading and what we had, which is the same reading as what we had uh, the week prior. But the he he talks about. Uh, the, the imagery comes right after the phrase, how often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? Um, so he's expressing like, I wanted to do this, implying that he hasn't. And if you think back to uh, the alternate reading or, or last week's uh, uh, gospel reading, which was the temptation of Christ, that would have been uh that comes earlier in the gospel mm -hmm. that would have been earlier and that kind of gives you a little bit of of, of connective connective tissue to that story of like he maybe he was really i really desired to do that i really you don't even know what just happened to me a little while ago right i almost you know i i was tempted to do this and protect you guys um so in a way i i have a question of you know is, is that connectivity direct and that's the reason why he desired to but did not or is there some other reason why he would you know i would desire to protect you but i'm not gonna and here's the reason why well no i, I think it's more that they wouldn't wouldn't have it yeah so the verse so ends it's, with it's not that he and you were not willing yeah you were not willing <clears throat> okay yeah. so um, maybe not connected so tissue like, too well, i think it's connected it's okay like, if you if you read through luke and i I cannot say I read word for word through Luke, but this afternoon I just decided I would read from like chapter nine 
on through chapter 19. Uh-huh. Just because I wanted to get a bigger picture of this. And and it's quite an amazing thing that's going on here because um you know, Jesus is on this journey. And um I don't remember exactly where his journey starts. Maybe it's just earlier in chapter 13, but um He's going to Jerusalem Uh and all the way there, he's stopping and he's telling stories and giving teachings that all point toward, um, number one, how the people will recognize the kingdom of God when it's, when it's present to them, where and wherever, whenever the kingdom of God pops up. Mm-hmm. He wants them to know what it looks like. It looks like yeast. It looks like a buried pearl. It looks like, you know, dozens of things. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing he seems to be trying to do is to prepare them for his death. There are a lot of mm-hmm. stories he tells that are kind of, oh, you know, somebody's going to die here. Yeah, and what's um, amazing is specifically on that point is how often, like, the people who are around him don't remember that, yeah, or that, it. or it doesn't get through to th- through their well, thick skull, like and, you know, like I keep telling you guys, but you don't seem to really remember. Are, are you all right? <laughs> are you awake? But in, in the in defense of these people who couldn't figure it out, mm-hmm. um, you have to remember he was on a journey, mm. and so he wasn't necessarily telling all these stories and giving all these teachings to the same people all the way along. True. Um, it was a long journey from wherever to Jerusalem. Sure. And, um, you know, and, and I, I think it's kind of funny on that note that, you know, since he's on this journey trying mm-hmm. to get somewhere and the Pharisees come, which seems odd to me in the first place, that they're going to be the ones to warn him. But, um, you know, he says, tell that fox, I'm busy. Yeah, right. I can't. I, today and tomorrow, I'm already scheduled, and then I need to keep moving on. And I mean, you yeah. don't you don't say that to your to your rulers, <laughs> sure, your secular rulers. Or at least you. Probably you also don't have that about. reaction to somebody who's like, "You got to get out of here. The danger right. is imminent." Like, yeah. you know, I've got an appointment tomorrow, right. and I'm, yeah, I'm busy. I'm, I'm booked until at got least three thirty. Gotta and, polish my nails. I can't get right. I, I gotta. That. I gotta exercise that demon out of that one kid. I promised. <laughs> yeah. and, you know. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so, by Wednesday. I'll be out by Wednesday. <laughs> Just tell him I'm gone by Wednesday. It's a little. It's a little <clears throat> odd. It is. Yeah. It is. It no, is I agree. Odd that he would have that hmm. response. But anyway. Well, let's uh, let's move on. Oh, oh, oh no! Too late. I already said the words. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. The Pharisee thing. One of the one of the things that happens throughout the Gospel of Luke is the Pharisees are not nearly the bad guys they are in some of the other Gospels. Yeah, what's with They're, that? Well, first of all, we think historically this is probably the most accurate in terms of the Pharisees' teachings and beliefs were extremely close to Jesus's. Sure. And so it was not likely that they were in firm opposition to him and certainly would not have been disagreeing with him as much as they do, say, in the Gospel of Mark. But instead... The memory of the Pharisees continued after the fall of Jerusalem, the destruction of basically institutional Judaism, and so they made a good character in the Gospels of Mark and Matthew and John, whereas Luke probably actually captures historically more accurately how the Pharisees were close to Jesus in belief Mm -hmm. and ethics, 
and consequently were in some ways more of an obstacle because mm. they were they were the come on tone it down we all agree on this right but you're getting us in trouble with Herod you're you know, just wait till you see what Pontius Pilate has in store let's just work together we're all pulling in the, on the same rope in the same direction huh and Jesus is upset with them because he knows they know how things are supposed to be going how people are supposed to be living and they keep compromising in order to keep the peace. That's interesting because that's a um, from like a t- storytelling t- t- point of view. The one style is uh, that you have your protagonist with the antagonist, right. and then a pure straight villain villain at the top. Yeah. Uh, and then, but it sounds like the, the way Luke's writing goes is uh, that it's really more of a of a, of a character development piece. Uh, where you're getting into the socio-economic uh, uh, conversation between uh, these two parties that you know, and, and you really do a kind of a deep dive on the character, which yeah. is which, which is interesting, an interesting uh, 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 take and approach. I kind of I like that. Yeah, and with that that category you put out there, the Pharisees were definitely middle and upper class, and Jesus um, was walking with the lower class, right? And so that very well would have been part of that conflict. Hmm. Uh, and the Pharisees saying, yeah, come on, just just eat with a better class of people, and we'll all right. get along just fine. Right. We'll all believe you. <laughs> the, the other thing that I just want to add is in Luke, female imagery is frequently used in, in, when you compare it with the other Gospels. So okay. the image of Jesus as a hen is not as shocking reading through the entirety of Luke as it is when we come right from, say, the Gospel of Mark, where it's predominantly male or neutral imagery. Gotcha. Um, so that's that's one of the beauties of Luke, is if we read it as a unit, as Kathy was describing, you catch much more strongly the uh, female imagery within it, both within the, the direct teachings like this one, and within the parables, they're mm. often female lead characters in the parables. Right, right. No, that's true. Oh, yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah, that's true. Yeah, interesting. Good old Luke. Good what old Luke. What a good feminist. On, good on you, Luke. Way ahead of your time. All right. So uh, the long one here for the for this week is Genesis chapter fifteen, verses one through twelve. Oh, we're backing up that one. Or do you want to do? You said you wanted to. So. Or do you want to do that's Philippians right. next? Yeah, we can do. Let's do Genesis. Okay. Let's go back to the beginning. Go to the beginning. Uh, we, yeah, we did not take an in medias res approach to this story. We we, we, we told you the end, and we're going to go right. way back to the beginning. Just How like, did we get just here? Just like movie series. How did I get here? You may Watch be wondering. Back. Here's the prologue. Yeah. Uh, one, oh, sorry. Genesis 15, 1 through 12, and 17 through 18. And this is this is the story of Abram. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. Always a good start. <laughs> yeah. Look out! <laughs> I know you're terrified right now, but uh, don't don't be. It's fine. Uh, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring. And so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. 
And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him uh, all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates. So, um... The story of Abram is a fascinating one, and I hate the fact that that uh, the lectionary readings have to carve it all up, right, um, uh, in, in, into different pieces. But um, um, it it does show you where uh, the mentality is of of humanity at that period of time. His creator comes to visit him and says, "Don't be afraid." I'm here to protect you, and your rewards are going to be very great. And the first thing out of his mouth is like, but I don't have a son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have a son. Uh, he he it, just it, promised it, him heirs as countless as the stars. Yeah. <laughs> right. But he's just, you know, uh, I'm just childless, and I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to have a, a kid out of wedlock, and I'm just going to give him my, all my stuff. And, and, uh, and. God says, like, no, 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 I promise you're going to have an heir, you know, don't do that, you know, just believe in me and uh, kill all these animals. Sorry, PETA. Um, and, uh... Sorry, me. <laughs> Kathy is vegetarian. Kathy is a vegetarian. Um, and, uh, um, and then, no, uh, and so he makes a sacrifice uh, according to God's, God's will, well, and... But, but... The reason the sacrifice is being made is, to, to spill completely on what you're saying, Ben, is Abram saying, basically, I don't believe you. Prove it. Gotcha. And then comes the sacrifice. This is part of the answer God has to Abram's insistence on having proof, which also, for a lot of people who just sort of take a broad view of the Jewish and Christian traditions, I think they'd be very shocked to see that that's from there. It that is, he's not he's not smited for, for doubting that, and but also for you know for for us very refined uh, humans after thousands of years, right? Um, uh, this is not a logical leap, right? For us, you know, I don't believe you. Show me some proof and evidence. Like, okay, uh, kill some of these animals, and I'm gonna uh, there's gonna be a torch and a flaming pot. Oh well, yeah, you mean ser you're serious business here, yeah? Because like, God's answer really should have been, um, "Wait a minute, right? Give me nine months at least." Poof, there he is. I mean, um, just you know, it, yeah, it, it doesn't quite uh, resonate with uh, if we were to have an interaction with God, say, in the 21st century, uh, uh, mm -hmm. we would this would not be necessarily i think how it goes down um uh even if it even if the promise was the same i don't know as if we would be like you know okay i i don't know how i don't know how that's really possible i don't know how that's going to actually come to fruition 
give me a sign. I'm like, okay, go kill a yeah. Go kill <laughs> these cattle. Go kill these animals. Like, I'm not really into that. Yeah. I don't. I don't even want to tie. Oh God. Um, we don't really do that yeah. anymore. Um, could we? I mean, can you, can you check could I, Jesus on this? Could I bake you some naan or? <laughs> well, I did have something I was going to say. Maybe please not do, anymore. Please no. Yeah, um, please dig, what, dig us out and put us what, on a path. What, what strikes me about Abraham's situation here is that. You know, this this God whom he barely knew, nobody knew this God yet. That's a this good a point. New God on the scene who's suddenly popping in, apparently, and saying, hey, well, you Mo- should attach yourself to me and let me show you what can happen. Moses had. And, no, 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 no. This no, is no, way, way before Narnia. Yeah, yes. Before Moses. Way before Moses. Moses is one of Abraham's yeah. descendants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, n- nobody knew this God. Mm-hmm. New kid on the block. New new God on the block. And um, Abraham has left everything. Uh He left a stable setting with his wife. He left behind his father and his whomever else that he had where he was living. And at this point, all he has to show for it is a pile of tents, Uh a tired wife, Uh and aching feet. Right. and so the fact that Abraham is standing there saying, this isn't what I checked in for. You know, I, right. I, I followed you because you said. And, um, you know, by the time Abraham dies, speak about, talk about this land, you know, from uh-huh. this river to that coastline and up these hills and over the valley and whatever. Um, how much land does Abraham own when he dies? He owns a three by six plot of land where his wife Sarah was buried. That's his land holdings at his death. Hmm. Hmm. Um, he did have several children. Yes. Um, he had one child with Sarah. He yes. had one with one of Sarah's um, handmaids, Ishmael. Ishmael, that son. Oh, or oh. sorry, Hag, Hag, yeah, Hagar. Hagar uh, became with, the mother of Ishmael. With, with Ishmael, yeah. Who but, I think it's we in Egypt, but, it's always a good thing to point out. Uh, uh, yeah. Became uh, the the uh, the father of many other nations. Yeah, the yeah yeah, yeah including um, including Islam. That's somewhat we. That's what they say. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wasn't there, but yeah. I wasn't either. But <laughs> but anyway, so you know, he's got this plot of land uh-huh. which he can't even lay down on himself because his wife's already buried there, and um, and he has only one son who he considers a true heir, and that's Isaac, the right. son of Sarah. Though Abraham does remarry, this is almost unbelievable. He was so old already, but he remarries and he has a bunch of other sons mm-hmm. whom he treats very well mm-hmm. and always cares for them. But at his death, everything he did own, <clears throat> which wasn't very much, was all left for Isaac. Right. That one son who is the one true heir, right. as far as he's concerned, and um, that's kind of sad. That's not exactly what he was expecting. He was, you know, he thought he was going to sit down to dinner with bazillions of children. 
Yeah. Sitting around the table and hearing stories from great great grandpa. Well, maybe. Oh. I, I mean, it could have also been. I mean, legacy was, is like a very strong motivator, especially um, uh, um, um, as you continue to go back. I think we've kind of not quite necessarily had uh, the impact and power that, that it maybe used to have. I don't think people think of legacy nearly as much as maybe we used to in, in generations think, past, but it's still around. I think it's still a pretty strong motivator oh, yeah, for a lot around. of folks. So, I mean, could it have been that he just wanted assurance that from, from God as maker that, uh, no, look, I'm, I am here. I was here before you. I will be here after you. I'm making you this solemn promise that your descendants will carry on and you will have well, great lineage. Yeah, and I mean, of course, God didn't intend for any of us to believe they were all going to sit at the same table at the same time. Right. Because um, I don't know if he ever complains about it once he. Well, it's, it, well he's except except for when. The, yeah. He complains well, a lot. No, except for the verse in front of us. Well, yeah. but I mean, like when when he when 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 Sarah actually has finally has Isaac. Um, he I, chills. I, yeah. He, he chills out, and then God tells him to kill him. Uh, yeah, that's a totally different story. That's but a story. Um, I don't know if anybody uh, besides that story, because I think he does lament at that point, like, what the heck? What the heck? This doesn't yeah. make any sense. But uh, after that, it doesn't doesn't really necessarily say like that he, you know, says you know shakes his fist yeah. in the heavens and says like this yeah. is not what I was promised. Well, mm -hmm. and and I think even though this this is the new god on the block. Mm -hmm. And nobody really knows what to expect of him. And at some point, Abraham's the only person to have met him. Um, but I, I think this business of the shattered dreams and mm -hmm. the faith in God and that creative capacity really comes to play here because yeah. Abraham isn't seeing what he thought he was going to see. Yeah. You know, yeah. In, in this very text, it's like, um, you keep saying, I'm going to have all these heirs. Mm -hmm. Well, would can we start with one, at least? Right, you know? right. And um, I'm just gonna have a quick, you know, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have my backup uh, heir here just yeah. in case. You know, so so here's what Abraham does: he doubts, he questions, he challenges, but he never turns back. Right. He never turns back, and and he keeps going, and somehow he's able to see beyond what we can see with our eyes. Maybe mm -hmm. it's Paul's eyes of the heart thing, you know. Yeah. Um, he just somehow is able to imagine this future that he's never really going to see. Hmm. And that keeps him going. Yeah. And of course, it would have been very hard for him to turn back at this point. He's out in the middle of <laughs> right. nowhere, following a God no one's ever heard right. of. This and, better um, pan out. Uh, that's all I'm saying. And, and you know, <laughs> trying to count stars. I, I thought this was interesting. Just this is one of the scientific -y things that I'm always fascinated by. Um, the number of stars that are estimated to be in the in the, in the sky mm -hmm. is um, seven hundred septillion. Oh wow! Several years ago, it was seventy septillion. They've now increased that tenfold. So, um, 700 septillion stars, which is 700 with 21 zeros. Yeah. Um, that's a big line of zeros. And in the entire history of the world, there have only been 110 billion people. So I don't think Abraham is done yeah. having heirs. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I, I, I know he could never have counted that many stars right. with his naked eye. But, you know, if you're in the middle of the desert, 
and it's night. Yeah. That was the other thing I was going to say. And you're it's looking amazing. up there, yeah. and it's like glitter soup. Yes, absolutely. You know? It's just a mass of twinkle. And I, I can't even imagine, well, I can because I've seen it, but um, yeah. it's hard to imagine what that really looks like. Yeah. Um and and how dazzling that had to be for Abraham to think wow those those are my children. Yeah, oh. I, I think God in another uh um situation when he comes back uh instead of stars in the sky I think it's sand. The grains of sand. The grains yeah. of sand. There there is less Either sand way, on earth than there are stars in the yeah. sky. Yeah. Was there really? God is lowering his expectations. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, sand. <laughs> We'll go I don't know as if Abraham, Abraham at that point uh, uh, would have necessarily picked up on that subtle detail. It, Probably not. It, no. it really more to drive home the point of like your small brain cannot yes. cannot, cannot fathom the yeah. number of descendants you're going to have. Just trust me. Uh, all right. Well, then let's uh, let's round out with uh, Philippians chapter three verses seventeen all the way through uh, chapter four verse one. But brothers, it's very short. It, it, it's, it's, it's shorter, yeah, it's shorter than you would think. Uh, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the examples you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it will be conformed to the body of his glory, by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. So this is uh, a reading from Paul to the Philippians. <laughs> And, and this Paul, is the real Paul. This is the real Paul. <laughs> yeah. The, I was burned by that like a month ago. Though what's interesting is... I, Paul, not Paul. <laughs> is that there's scholarly debate about whether this was a single letter mm -hmm. or three or four letters that had been combined. Kind of like a, an amalgamation of letters together. An amalgamation together. of letters together. Okay. And it's probably not terribly interesting to the average person, but it is... Interesting to people like me, so it's worth looking at. I was going to say, I'm own. very below average, so, uh, so this yeah, is totally it's, interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, the, the different changes in tone and text mm -hmm. and all that. But there seems to be pretty strong agreement that all these pieces were composed by Paul, mm -hmm. even if they were at different times, and probably all were aimed at the Philippians. Okay, yeah. And this, uh, this really does um, um, kind of like bring home... That idea of of uh, it almost kind of ties together uh, when we talk about heaven after having just re read about Abraham or Abram. Sorry, I get you know depending on the timing of the, of the right. text, uh, Abram uh, being promised that his descendants will be uh, more than stars in the sky. Kind of like you know mentally ties the two together and and you know you we actually get to become part of that and, yeah and uh, and become part of that heavenly body and. And, uh, um, and be transformed. Um, but, uh, but I like, I like the phrasing at least of, of, of our reading, uh, there in chapter 19 or sorry, 20, um, 
uh, our citizenship. I like that word. Our citizen, but our citizenship is in heaven. That's where, mm-hmm. that is where you belong. That is that is where you you are a you are a citizen. I right. like that. Yeah, and in Philippian, this was a region that was part of the Roman Empire, and so mm-hmm. citizenship was not a birthright. It was something that people, uh, depending on their economic background, particularly, often had to earn. Mm. So it was a very powerful image here that they were all they citizens, that all of them belonged, yeah. and that they're. It's another way of Paul that was given freely too. I mean, right, right. They didn't have to earn it. No test. No test, <laughs> and no taxes paid. And um, hallelujah. Yeah. Oh. No grand <laughs> acts as a military um, figure is uh-huh. another way of gaining citizenship as a Roman. But it's another way of the repeated theology that Paul expresses in his letters that everyone's included, mm-hmm. that they're, and everyone's on an equal footing. There's no hierarchy among Christians. There's um, women, men, free and slave, etc., 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 are all equal in the eyes of God. Yeah, I always like that about Paul. Yeah, that's, that's a great quality. That's a great message. Interestingly, though, Paul was a Roman citizen. Right. So he knew of what he spoke. He knew. Yeah. He knew what mattered and what didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, when when I read when I read this, and I I think I read it six times today, and it just got it felt sadder to me every time I read it. It just has this mm-hmm. heaviness. And it's it's written with a, a little bit of a sense of finality. Well, yeah. and I mean, Paul was. Probably in prison when he wrote this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not known which imprisonment, but it feels very late in his life. Yeah. Um, he's a little more mature and less dizzy. It does kind of have I, that I swan like songs that. feel it really does. to it. Yeah. And, and you know, what I think that comes from, and this is another bit of a, a shattered dream that yeah. Paul is seeing beyond, because a lot of what what people expected that early on in Mm -hmm. in the history of the church was that Jesus would return, that he would come back before they died. Yeah. And Paul is in prison. He knows the likelihood that he will be killed. Yeah. Um, And as a Roman citizen, fortunately for him, he escaped crucifixion because they didn't kill citizens slowly and painfully. They just chopped their heads off, um, which is better, I guess. Um, but there's this sense of what, what is happening? Mm -hmm. Jesus was supposed to come back and now it's not likely that that's going to happen. I am going to die. Yeah. And, um, this is, this is like a final love letter. Yeah. You know, it's just, what's interesting. And I'm going to try to tie this all the way and go all the way full circle back around. Uh, what this, as you mentioned that, the thought that comes to mind since we started with uh, MLKJ um, and Martin Luther King's beauty, Jr.'s beautiful uh, um, um, quote there uh, about broken dreams, it makes me think of the mountaintop speech. And it's kind of like this message of, yeah. I may not make it there with yeah. you, mm-hmm. but I will see you in the end. Yeah. It's, and a, that's, it's a Moses speech. Mm-hmm. Moses didn't make it to the promised land. 
Yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. did not make it to the promised land. Abram Abram didn't didn't, didn't make it to see yeah, his descendants. Uh, um, and you know what? None of us will ever live long enough. Well, maybe a few people will, but probably no one who's alive now. We will not live to see what it looks like when the world ends or when it's finally redeemed or whatever is going to happen. Right. We're not going to see that. And and I think that's what 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 Reverend King was talking about is that mm -hmm. it's not just about our our dreams of, oh yeah, when I grow up I'm gonna be a famous actress. You know. Um I never had that dream. But um and then that dream gets shattered. That's not what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. He's talking about this big stuff. Yeah. Like, who the, am I going to be with God? Um, yeah. What will be the real end of all this? Shattered stuff? dreams and, for humanity and, as a whole. And, and yeah. what about these people in the city of Jerusalem mm -hmm. who Jesus was never able to embrace and shelter? Yeah. And, and these Philippians that Paul may never see again. You right. Know, he, he was he was beheaded in the end. Yeah. Without ever seeing Jesus return and without ever seeing all these people for whom he had this great longing. Yeah. Tremendous affection to and really care. To really grasp this thing. And he mm -hmm. just I mean you can tell from this reading that he has some kind of weird trust that it's going to go on no matter what. Yeah. And the fact that he will die doesn't mean the rest of these people will never get to know God. Yeah. And that was revolutionary within the the proto Christianity that Paul was in the midst of. That, yeah. That's another yeah. one of his contributions yeah. to Christian theology, thought, practice, and perspective. So, yeah. You know, it drives me crazy every now and then I realize I must actually like Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time it drives me totally nuts. And then, you know, we'll get into something like this and it's like, what an awesome man. Yeah. And to think he started out as a tent maker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I agree with you. I think this I think this uh this passage which we chose to end on as opposed yeah. to the Luke reading, um uh does have that that weight, that sense. And what a what a perfect way to kind of uh be a part of a Lenten uh, discussion of you know there there's a lot of mm -hmm. there's a yeah. lot of heft and weight to a Lenten journey uh, for our forty days and 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 as we ponder uh, what does this mean to us and how are we going to continue uh, on in our relationship with God and what does all of this mean and this is very very weighty questions that we're asking ourselves during this season so uh, I think that's a good place to stop yeah. I like that yeah. I like it works for me. Well, thank may, you. May I just you may end by reading that quote one more time? You yes. may, please. I that would be a great a, way to do that. Okay, and um, I think we've learned a lot about this quote. Yes, and we I, have. And I think it did come we from have, a mountaintop speech, actually. I, I think um, it might. That, that sounds familiar. Yeah, our capacity to deal creatively with shattered dreams is ultimately determined by our faith in God. Martin Luther King Jr. Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for your, uh, this was your podcast for March 17th, 2019. Uh, I'm sure we're not done discussing this, so feel free to come to the 8 or 10 o'clock service and uh, and hear some more about this. But uh, Specifically what Kathy does in writing the sermon. Right, right. 
gauntlet has been th- has been thrown down for you. I so. have the best chicken story ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope to see you there. Uh, thanks again for joining us. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And I'm Kathy. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.